it's 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 a complicated conversation on a good day when it's all working yeah, well, right? You, you can't you can't create markets. You got to create dynamics that make markets succeed, and it's always got to be entrepreneur led. Ultimately, uh, innovation comes from people willing to risk their you know their financial. Uh, uh, you know their, their equity on an idea, and, and uh, you can't get government to create that framework. But you, you know there, there's things that can be done differently. So. Hey everyone, it's Rob Lullisher. Thanks for joining me on the podcast, Yeg Me. Really excited to have a friend on the show today. We've got Chris Labossier. How are you today, Chris? I'm good. I'm great. I'm looking forward to this. It's uh, oh, always thanks, fun to riff with you. You, uh, man, you're involved in so many cool things in Edmonton and the in the region. And folks, if you don't know Chris's story, we're going to hear it shortly. But over the course of this interview, you're going to hear stuff about, you know, we're talking technology startup in Edmonton. Chris has got his hands in the in the garbage business, the Edmonton business, politics, a little bit of everything. I'm not quite sure what we're going to touch on all, but. Uh, Chris, why don't you take us a, a little bit back and, and tell us a bit about your, your origin story here in the uh, great city of Edmonton. Sure. Um, my business origin story or my personal origin story? Uh, let's start story? with you. Let, let's okay. let's hear a little bit about your um, background. Well, you know, I uh, like bona fide high school dropout kind of bad kid. Uh, didn't uh, Grade didn't 12 dropout? Yeah, grade 11. Yeah. Oh, okay, there we go. Last football game, I was out. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, you know, it was the writing was on the wall because I was probably the only guy I know that actually failed drama thirty, <laughs> just because I didn't go. But yeah, I uh, I was uh, you know grew up with uh, uh, a tougher childhood with foster homes, welfare, that kind of stuff, single mom, and and uh, and moved a lot. So sixteen yep. schools in twelve years. So yeah, that's I wasn't yep. uh, you know wasn't I wasn't on that path to uh, to traditional academic or you know uh, kind of corporate success. But that that I look back now and go that all is the uh, that's the great stuff that defined me. Talk, and, uh, talk about I, building uh, character early. Yeah, yeah. I became yeah. a big, big risk taker, uh, quite comfortable with a lot of risk in my life. And, uh, you know, so that that's my background. Moved uh, back and forth between Empton and Grand Prairie probably poof, 10 times for whatever reason. And, uh, um, and uh, then started in the waste business as a garbage truck driver when I realized there was okay. no future for high school dropouts in uh, corporate finance, which is probably what I wished I could have done. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, yeah, I slowly worked my way through uh, uh, 17 years in the waste yeah. business. Was uh, was uh, you know kind of everything from garbage truck driver all the way up to senior vice president of Western Canada when I left the industry in 2006. And do you think um, it was uh, being a driver at the beginning just really helped with that with that journey, or yeah, I mean, or I, you could have skipped I, I a couple think, chapters along the way. I, I think knowing how the business starts and, and really works every day. Like yeah. you know, there's a lot of people that join emerge into their career and don't really understand a lot of what a frontline function is. So yeah. for me, that gave me a lot of credibility, particularly dealing with, uh, you know, I deal with the union negotiations and stuff, and it always just helped a great deal that I was a person that actually was had there. Yeah. started there. Yeah. And I didn't want to skip over. I, had, uh, you know, uh, had two beautiful kids, uh, married, and uh, you know, and uh, a young family and uh, kids yeah. at a young age, and and uh, you know, that's uh, that's kind of. And then left the waste business in 2006. Uh, we had kind of this little fledgling thing going on called the arch well, at the time it was called yep. pro exams we basically did okay um, that was uh, brand number one yeah brand one and it, it evolved yep. pro exams and then we added the ability to deliver training and then we had pro training pro exams and and it evolved to yardstick yep. and i think a lot of people would uh, associate me with 
the yardstick journey that happened here from kind of 2006 to okay till just yep. just two or three weeks ago or maybe two months ago now well so, i think yeah. um our paths first crossed i i want to say it was around that that 06 07 mark and um maybe for those listening when you you took the business kind of cultivated in the in the garage so to say in the basement yeah. you won a and a, a, a content or some type of award. Tell me about yeah. that. Uh, at the time, Tech Edmonton had a program called Venture Prize. That's what it was. And, Thank you. Uh, yep. 2006 and in 2005, kind of, I guess, February, I can't remember the dates exactly, but we had heard about this halfway through. It was kind of incubating and the, the, the uh, most of the, uh, there was about 120 companies that competed and most of them would have gone through a number of mentoring sessions and training courses and they kind of put you on a path to essentially the end product is a business plan and then your business plan kind of like a, a dragon's den of the day where right. you'd get your yeah. business plan vetted by a bunch of private equity groups and people in the investment banking space and and uh, yeah so crazily we won that and uh, that was uh, you know, uh, that was a pretty ringing kind of uh, endorsement. We both felt that, confident uh, okay, enough it's, that it's go time now. This is real. Like if yeah. we don't do this, do you feel that was that was the spark? That was the moment, or uh, you were pretty much on that path all, already? We, we yeah. felt like we had something, but it gave us the confidence to quit our jobs. Like the problem with uh, the way our origin story was, both Don and I, my partner Don Reap, who is definitely integral to all this, is. Uh, we both had great jobs. Don was the the brains in the operation. He was correct. One hundred percent. You're the looks. Uh, I was good looks. Okay, and, well, uh, we'll give you that one. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah. So it, he uh, he and I were you know to to make the commitment. We had young kids. We had uh, mortgage payments, car payments, all that stuff. It, it was life, super. Risky. Life was happening. Like, yep. Printing some good yep. good checks from uh, the my waste business as a senior executive, and Don in the same boat. But that just kind of took us to this point where. We said we could do this in this 30-page document, and we just had some of the smartest people in this space tell us it's the best idea they'd seen, at least out of those 120 right. companies. And uh, so you kind of had to do it. Like, yeah. we just had to. And just as a point of interest is something that's pretty cool from, uh, you know, for trivia, and maybe you got, uh, maybe uh, Mac Mail is a listener out there. But Okay, yep. Max We've had Mac on the, yeah, uh, so the Yegme show so before. Yep. Mac's company came second. So okay. uh, they had a uh, they had a podcast business. Nice. Uh, I can't he's remember cur- what it was called. He's cursed you uh, ever since. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. He was probably so, just 10 years too early with Yeah, well, uh, they were pretty young. The, they were definitely still was, in university. Him and, uh, and uh, gosh, I can't remember his partner's name, but they, yeah, they had a, a, you know, he was always a cutting-edge uh, d- digital media guy. 100%. So, yeah. uh, so it was pretty cool, and we've been friends with him forever. But, yeah, so that's the little bit yeah. of background. And, and, you know, fast forward to today, we, we went through a, a significant amount of growth. We did some acquisitions. That's where I brought, you know, th- those kinds of things to the right. table. Don, right. is, Don is a developer tech guy, and uh, we just sold off our testing business and the name. Okay. So that's okay. what, So when people see the, you know, we've got new brands in the market, it's really just what's happened is we were just – separating all right. these assets into different things okay. and uh, we sold off the testing business to a company called Proctor U which is a okay. probably the world's leading provider of uh, uh, online remote based proctoring yeah. and uh, kept some stock in that deal and kept some debt in that deal so I'm still on the board and I'm technically uh, got a lot of still, a lot, still a lot part of its future riding yep. on that but uh, 100% out of the business on a daily basis okay. Okay. and the name's gone it's gone to them and they're going to use Yardstick as their kind of parent okay. brand for cool. their professional testing we'll tell you what we'll come back to that I want to yeah. hear a little bit more about what you're doing there just while while we're reminiscing a little I love asking this question you know during your time growing up in Edmonton uh, northern Alberta there there was that definitive Edmonton moment that Edmonton story that 
you either had a front row seat or you're, you're there for it. What, what's a memory that sticks out in your mind? Well, you know, the, it was a formative time when I was, you know, when I first moved here because, um, you know, we were quite poor. And, and, uh, and I remember I used to hang out with my buddy Neil a lot and uh, Neil Sadowskis, who's I think still in the waste business on, on Vancouver Island. But uh, and, I, and it's funny because I think everybody has this story in Edmonton. So it's like I'm almost questioning if my own story is bullshit. But, okay. but we, we were at the <laughs> we were at the ball when the roller coaster crashed and we were on oh, the wow. roller coaster that day. OK, yeah. And. I can't tell you how many people yeah. I've said or talked to, and they're yeah. like, "Oh yeah, I was on a roller coaster just before, or just you know." Yeah. I was like, yeah. So you kind of went, was I really? But yeah, we were, and and I remember going back to his house, and of course there was radio six three Chad, and listening to that story, and thought that was okay. pretty wild, uh, and so it didn't shape me in any way, but it's just a unique memory that I have of being an Edmontonian growing up as a kid. You know, just the, the stuff that poor kids do. You know, stealing yeah. lots and. Uh, uh, you know, you, you earned your stripes in that we, uh, in that yeah, category. Yeah. There, I was uh, my claim to fame is w I was kicked out of Woodward's from Southgate for stealing there, caught the second time. Sometimes food, so it was you know okay. bona fide, like yeah, we right. my yeah, doing and what I. you need to do. But uh, I always get a smile on my face when I walk through there, what is now Sears. And okay, I like, yeah. Screw those guys. I, I had a laugh <laughs> lifetime band of Woodward's and they're out of business. <laughs> so, awesome. And so, I, you know, at, uh, at the end of the day, it was, uh, you know, it's, it's the, uh, the story of uh, poor kids and, yeah. and what they do to stay busy. The other neat, really neat thing that happened to me, I had this a friend, I was probably eight or nine or 10 years old, and you know, you'd run around on your bike and we used to ride our bikes inside what was Heritage Mall when they were building it. Okay. So it was still okay. dirt inside. Yeah. Um, but we were so bored and, and basically no one was caring to what, what we were doing on a day-to-day -day basis. We went through this little industrial park, just uh, what would be, I guess, straight east of uh, Calgary Trail and 23rd Avenue, just north of South Common There's a, and on our bikes. And we just go to businesses and knock on the door and say, hey, can we have a tour? Okay. Like just like two eight-year-olds walk in and nine to 10 or something like that. I guess that's a great this, four. This is just killing time. Uh, so we or, walk in yep. to a place. We're going through, you know, you go back through those strip malls and all the doors are open in the back. Okay. And we see like an R2-D2 and a, a you know, Chewbacca thing and, and all these props. And it was a prop warehouse for uh, SCTV. And so I remember, oh. and this, this guy was awesome. He's like, yeah, come on in, kids. And he's showing us all this stuff. And nice. it, was just, it was the craziest remote yep. memory that's pretty meaningless. But I, I love that chapter, <laughs> the fact that SCTV was produced here yeah. for a couple of years and, and that it was just part of the... Um, you know, Dr. Allard brought the show here. It yeah. was on Death's Doorstep in, in Toronto. I've met a few people who have actually worked on the show over the time. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And yeah, if you knew at that time what it would become, and uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it is a neat part of Edmonton's history, for sure. Yep, so. right on. So, you know, blasting ahead a little, you, you had an amazing chapter with, well, we'll just say the original yardstick. Yeah. Um, before we talk about what your new company is and what, what you're doing there, Tell us a little bit about Chris. You've been very involved in the community uh, of Edmonton from the, from I'll say the startup community, the a bit of the tech side. Uh, just just share with us a bit of, uh, just a little bit looking back where you see it, it is today and and just some thoughts of where it's going. Sure. Yeah. So I was on the as one of the founding chairmen of Startup Edmonton. I've been on the board of EEDC and Tech Edmonton. So I've kind of ran the gamut of those ECDEV you know, diversification kind of conversations um, and uh, certainly passionate about it. You know, 
I guess at the start because we were in the space, we felt we owed something to Tech Edmonton and to the community when we won Venture Prize. It okay. certainly served us well. Um, you know, quite uh, dismayed today. I, 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 okay. you know, I without being, um, you know, I, I think the uh, the city's got a tough challenge. It's a, yeah. it's a difficult thing to navigate through. Everybody's trying to be the new whatever mm-hmm. that you need to be to diversify your economy. There are massive headwinds against us. The political framework at the provincial level seems to be very myopically focused on energy right now. Uh, I'm very, very nervous about the future of Edmonton as a competitive city from a knowledge economy perspective. Just because, you know, the uh, uh, the CEO of uh, Microsoft or was at the time said that every company is going to eventually become a software company. Right. Doesn't matter what you do, okay. manufacturing oil and gas. It's going to all hopefully yeah. grow from to that place. And and uh, you know I got to think about uh, what Edmonton looks like in thirty years if yeah. oil if oil's useless. And and uh, and we have a number of agencies. Uh, you know, so I, what I think we've got is we've got a a, a a really lack of cohesive vision about how to. Right. Uh, advance this together and how Edmonton can fight for you know itself to be competitive and and you just seem to have a lot of agencies and organizations in this kind of quote-unquote innovation ecosystem just trying to fight for their own kind of real estate and and we got our hand slapped I was uh, you know involved in one of those organizations at a board level and you know the province just said to Edmonton they they had something called the regional innovation network which is kind of a framework of yep. all these different organizations and and uh, and they just said you guys got to get your shit together or just we're pulling the funding too and much they did. too much crossover too much crossover too, not yep. enough clarity and vision yep. and uh, who does what and uh, so i recognize and uh, you know to be fair to the city today they're going through a really interesting process so i hope that that clarity emerges yep. but it's kind of a never-ending story so oh, it's a it's a moving target um, it's it's public you have yeah, to do this yeah. in the in the yeah. public forum and so. and that always uh, I don't know if it's embarrassing or, or just uh, um, you know what dynamic shift and you have to make changes to adjust to yeah. it and we have the you know you've got Edmonton uh, global now and, yeah. and economic development Edmonton and, and just you're right these different groups that uh, I, I think it wasn't long ago I recall a headline where you were saying they just need to get out of the way and and uh, maybe not all of them but what do you think needs to are they doing the right things is it going to be the community that drives this or as you said government's trying to inject themselves a little too much into the conversation you know, it's 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 a complicated conversation on a good day when yeah. it's all working yeah, well, right? You, you can't you can't create markets. You got to create dynamics that make markets succeed, and it's always got to be entrepreneur-led. Ultimately, uh, innovation comes from people willing to risk their you know their financial uh, uh, you know their, their equity on an idea, and uh, you can't get government to create that framework. But you you know there, there's things that can be done differently. So like just even the words that some of our politicians use to talk about, you know, as opposed to right now, completely honestly, I feel like they demonize everything but oil and gas right now. And it's, and this kind of, you got to be able to have a conversation of both, both things at once. You know, we have a foundational economy that's resource based. Absolutely. That's critical to yep. everybody here. Our houses are, our cars, uh, all of the value of everything we buy comes largely from that. But at the same time, we got to be thinking, how do we bridge from here to there and there being the next economy? And, um, you know, there is going to be a next economy. It's like climate change. You can't deny the science yeah. of the fact that we are moving towards a knowledge-based economy. And when you do that, 
people can live anywhere they want. You could run this podcast, Rob, from the Cayman Islands, and that—that's an option. You're telling it me. is an option. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, but <laughs> and and this is you know yardstick what it was our training yeah. business today. Those are businesses that compete globally using digital. You know, it's basically ones and zeros and over the internet and. Uh, I got to have the smartest possible talent I can get my hands on. That's the most creative. That uh, gives us the biggest competitive advantage. And uh, livability is a big part of the right. conversation in a city. Yep. Uh, you know, education and assets that you know create the talent you need to compete. All that stuff's really important. And we you just feel Edmonton's growing in the right, doing the right things when it comes to I'll, I'll say the community, the the livability side of things. I think in that sense we have done a huge amount of work and I think uh, going back you know a couple let's go back a couple mayors if you you know both Steve and advanced uh, heavily advanced trying to create a better city from that perspective and uh, Mayor Iveson the same thing those are all things um, you know but that's only one ingredient right. and that that's that's can't be the only ingredient that's right. the other thing like we can't bike lane ourselves to a knowledge economy and I say that tongue-in-cheek but <laughs> you know you hit some of these yeah. nervy kind of conversations because there does need to be a focus on, on business and entrepreneurship and, and getting out of the way and letting businesses uh, you know grow and succeed and stuff so so right. I, I think to some degree we are but again it's uh, it's a difficult city to live in on a good day we all love it because yeah part of who we are yep. but it's in our DNA but uh, I have never successfully tried or been able to attract someone from even within my own organization at Yardstick when we had offices in That's Toronto. That's always, always been Ottawa, a challenge. Getting nobody's coming to Edmonton. Okay. So, so, so there's still that, we, we that outer about, branding uh, yeah, um, that's a whole challenge. Another conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, 100%. So, uh, but, <laughs> you know, uh, we, uh, we do what we can, and uh, hopefully we, uh, we'll, we'll get it figured out because I, I tend to think that things happen at an accelerated pace this, yeah. these days too. That's the other thing is I think this is not, we're not, we don't got 50 years to figure this out. We got a decade. And uh, we got to find a way, and you know that's like two. Do you feel that's cycles. just Edmonton, or do you feel that is a lot of major markets in in I North America right now? I think it's you know value the value add economies. Uh, it's a global thing that's happening, right? Yeah. Like I mean, yeah, yes, everybody would argue, oh, you you'll always need oil. <laughs> yes, you will always need some oil, but uh, you know, in terms of yeah. the global value of that asset uh, over time. So I think that. Uh, I think it's happening everywhere, but it's going to happen a lot harder and a lot worse in economies that aren't, you know, somewhat diversified. And the problem that we've got, I, I got into a great argument on Twitter, which I'm trying to do less uh, because of my blood pressure, but <laughs> it, last night. Doctor's know, orders. Oh, you know, Alberta's already diversified. Like, it's the most diversified it's ever been, but that's yeah. diversification into service economy, service retail, and, and government well, jobs. Well, uh, as compared to what? economy jobs, right? right? So, right. yeah, and relative Good. to our competitors, it's certainly not. So. Uh, it's it's uh, it's an interesting challenge. I am uh, I'm pretty dismayed right now. Yeah. I, I think we're uh, we got a long way to go. So who has to be the leaders in that? Is, is it is it the the post secondary institutions? Is it is it the business community? Is it government? Is it a mix of everything? I think uh, I think there needs to be it's political leadership has to have a vision so that that that's it and then you got to get they have the opportunity they they have the soapbox so yeah so you've got universities play a role for sure uh these economic development organizations play play a role there should be less of them they need to get out of the way less trying to drive people through their programs and just facilitate 
and help entrepreneurs. But uh, you know, I think it's political leadership. It, it has to be, yeah. and uh, and that's the hardest thing right now. Politics is super broken right now, and yeah. it's all about polarized positions on two ends of the spectrum, yeah. and. That's what gets people to power. 50.1% of the population hating you at all times for anything and everything that you say on either side of the fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's that is the, a real problem because yep. if uh, we can't, you know, you can't have an honest conversation about where we really are because it's not going to get you elected, then you're screwed. And you're, yep. you're just so, so I, I, I'm complaining about something that's been around for probably, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years, but at the same time, um, you know, certain societies, cities, cultures succeed or fail based on leadership yep. and vision. And uh, it seems to be we have a lack of that right now. So you're not one to, as you said, shy away from a Twitter fight or, or <laughs> let, let's say a debate or discussion. Do you do you take the approach of you're just trying to create some common ground, some some like, let's just have a conversation about it. I'm not saying I'm super right and I'm not saying you're super wrong. Yeah, you try right. to do that, you yeah, know. I but mean, it just the, goes the, so the, south so quick. The uh, scale or spectrum of uh, quality of character on a place like yeah. Twitter is pretty diverse. <laughs> and, you know, you try to do that. And uh, I'd like to think I've been able to have that somewhat of that kind of reputation to say, hey, I can, you know, I can admit if I was wrong, if someone showed me uh, new information. But, uh, but that, you know, that platform's changed a lot. I mean, yeah. you and I have both been on it a long time, and just the way we, we've seen the degradation of the conversation that happens yeah, it's, there, it's, it's uh, pretty wild. Recently, I think it's a paper in Britain has started publishing the photos and names of those who will just say have totally crossed the line in yeah. the comment section of Facebook and that. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think that's something the, the local media could... Is it is it time for just people to get accountable for for their their words their actions? I, I don't think uh, that scares me a little bit. To be completely yeah. honest, that also scares me because you know the society has this kind of like I don't know pitchfork mentality. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually grab your torches. Some, I start to empathize with criminals sometimes online right. because you see this like overreaction from the community about something that goes doesn't matter what hyperbolic. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I just think it gets solved yeah. by, you know, making people pay for it. Like, I'd pay for a version of Twitter that didn't have, oh, okay. uh, and you know, the trolls. Some anonymity is important because of, you know, certain people's livelihoods and stuff don't re allow them to be, you know, to be out there. But, but boy, I'd pay. I'd well, pay, play, like, play in that sandbox. Five and, bucks a month and, for yeah, a really no, awesome geez, Twitter. that's an interesting, like, like you know, Twitter 2.0, of, of uh, just a different version. My declutter. And I think it. AI is trying to solve that problem. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's... Yep. It's pretty wild when you think about it, and it in in what in five years, I question virtually everything I read now if it's yeah. possibly real or not. Like that's yeah. how far it's coming. Five well, years. Well, that's so a, what we read, and then we bridge into what we're seeing and video, video, video and, and audio. And that scares me. Oh, the the <laughs> deep fakes just just <laughs> makes my mind explode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chris, you travel lots. Yeah, yeah. Do a lot of business in a lot of different communities. You talked about the the working to attract people here. We'll just uh, go off on a little line here for a moment of when you're out for a nice dinner and a nice little local spot, what, what's a spot or two that jumps to mind that you wish more people uh, knew about? Well, I think the one we go to that's our favorite is the one that's always busy. So that's that's probably uh, it's not good, too big a secret. Good indicator. But we're a big fan of Sabor for okay uh, the service, the seafood, the quality of the experience. It's always just right on the money and uh, and super value uh, in terms of price. And so we've always loved that restaurant. It's a, it's character local kind of vibe. 
um, you know, also blue plate. It depends what meal you're trying to fill in. You Fair. know, you want a yep. greasy uh, breakfast. Barb and Ernie's is awesome. I love Barb <laughs> and Ernie's on that yep. street. But, uh, you know, some places you walk out of going, oh, I knew that was going to be a bad idea. Okay. But you do it anyways. Chicken <laughs> for lunch and uh, Ling yep. Dan. Those, yep. are, those are all the ones we love. <laughs> right, those so, are some good spots. So, um Let's let's jump back to you know your new business chapter. You you've sold a significant chunk chunk of yardstick. Uh, you you've got some new opportunities growing. Just tell us a little bit about what that looks like. Sure. Um, we you know we've kept essentially what is our online training business uh, and uh, a couple of smaller subsidiaries that uh, that we we were in. One was part of the testing business that the buyer didn't want, which was a market research firm. We had okay. bought a company called yep. Bannister Research here in 2017, I think. Um, but the big the big you know the still foundational asset in our portfolio is the training assets, and we've just rebranded that to We Know Training, and uh, we basically focus on providing training online training solutions titles, technology, content uh, for in regulated industries. Okay. So okay. Uh, a lot of people can't get their head around that, you know, yep. but it's basically if you need to take that training to get a license, get a credential, yep. a certificate, a certification, uh, safety training, that kind of stuff, uh, we want to stay in that space because there's a kind of guaranteed drive to market in terms of you got you got to take the training yep. to get yep. that. You know, I don't want to sell training on, you know, how to use your new camera because that's, you know, right. that's, that's a, very difficult commodity yep. Yep. to compete with. Uh, and so we've built a really, really interesting technology that allows for kind of, the best way to describe it is like Shopify meets learning management okay. system. So storefront technology for selling training. Yeah. Uh, and you you uh, come to us with your topic, your yeah. expertise, and, and we'll we'll package it. Yeah, and, and we'll build a whole yeah. distribution network and channel for you. Be able to defend it. So B2B, you know, B2C. Yeah. Of course, we can build the content. So we bought a small business, uh, Christie Communications, in 2014. Okay. That was great at building courses and content. That was a piece yeah. of the puzzle. Uh, and uh, so that's our objective now, and it's super exciting because we get to be, for the first time ever, you know, 100% focused on training. Testing is a very difficult business. It's very high stakes, uh, a lot of moving parts, yep. a lot of risk. Not that there isn't in training, but, you know, you're, uh, uh, you're just going after a totally global market with one product. It's just way, way funner and way more interesting. And, and also we can then focus all our resources on innovation there because we were kind of getting spread around. You've right. got, you need money for this or you need, you know, you need to open an office for that business in that market. The other thing is that what we've kept is the pure digital play, okay. and, that, and that's exciting for us. So it's pure online, 100%, uh, completely international market yep. that we can compete in. There's no barriers or boundaries, so we can go anywhere with this stuff. Yep. And um, and so pretty excited about that, and uh, lots of uh, M&A opportunity. There's about 200 mom-and-pop organizations okay. that we've identified in North America, just North America, that sell training in regulated spaces. Okay, so, so great real opportunity there. Yep. You know, insurance, finance, real estate, uh, medical, policing. The, yeah. We bought a little security guard licensing company. Okay. Stuff like that. That the macro global trend is online. It's yep. you know it's kind of going away from classrooms and and uh, we're not an academic and we're not a corporate. So the two big training spaces that people understand, right. which is education and corporate training, we do need. It's we're staying and regulated, and that's uh, that's uh, that's going to be a success for yep. us. Sure. So the growth of that is that something that that's going to add a significant amount of jobs in, in the Edmonton region, or I think we're probably you know I I'd see a I'd see a double in two three years. Okay. Like we're probably yep. fifty in terms of staff now. Roughly about uh, we kept about forty percent of yep. the overall headcount after this transaction. 
Um, and uh, yeah, it should scale better theoretically. So it wouldn't, we wouldn't have the same scale in terms of heads as we would in the testing business because that was more of an analog, yeah. much more hands-on business. Um, but for sure, and it's something that we can we can grow here. Edmonton's yeah. got the talent yeah. for it. Uh, I don't know when this gets published, so I may not be able to share. But I'm very excited. We got a new president starting on Monday for that business. So, uh, so well, we'll put excited. it out this week just so it makes the the, the Monday so, publishing deadline. <laughs> well, I don't. If it yeah. goes out before Monday, I won't say who. If it goes out after, oh, that, okay, so. <laughs> it's but, going out uh, for before. So okay, yeah, don't, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll watch, uh, the, watch the website. Wa- yeah, we're watch excited, Chris's so. Twitter feed and uh, and when he's not arguing with other Twitter folk yes, on on that's there. That's right. Now, opposite the world of digital, you're you're in a, a, a you know back to your roots on the tangible side. You're, you're in the garbage business too. Yeah, it's it's uh, something that can't you know, ever really leave you. It's, uh, can't get it out of um, here. The you know the thing about the garbage is uh, it's it's really hard to do, but it's a simple business. And once you learn how to do it, it's yep. just a function of uh, you know money R- and time. Rin- rinse and repeat. Yep. And uh, yep. and it's a very capital intensive business, so it's not something I would have done. You know, when I'm 18, you couldn't right. couldn't finance the you know the working capital, the growth capital to get it up and running is probably in the seven figures. But you know, it's uh, it's also a fascinating business that it hasn't changed in 40 or 50 years. And I had the, this experience of particularly the experience of developing a culture at Yardstick. That, okay. that, that was something we never did in the waste business. The waste business is, you know, at that time, and probably still is to, yeah. to a degree, apologize to most of my competitors, is a male-dominated industry of very traditional people that, that don't really yeah. invest a lot in capacity building right. into an organization in terms of people. They don't really give a shit about you. It's, it's, it's like uh, feeling sharing time. Let's yeah. uh, chat people. We're not going to do a lot yeah. of, uh, you know, we're, and what we found in the experiment we did with Yardstick, but I, I'd like to think we were successful. We weren't perfect, but there's a real difference in an organization. If you can, if you can compel people differently and uh, get them excited and distribute the decision making and the creative, uh, you know, yeah. like, you know, and uh, and once you get that balance right, and I just always thought, I, so I, you know, about six years ago, I interviewed for a fairly big job in the waste business, like kind of running a country uh, for one of the multinationals, and I probably blew it because I spent the whole interview it was a day long process, and uh, and I was excited about the idea it was like it, you know, it was a billion dollars worth of revenue so i thought oh this would be cool this would be worth kind of hanging up the yardstick cleats for um, and i spent a day talking to them about you know what would they ask me what would you do i said i'd focus on culture and people yeah and that didn't excite them <laughs> but it, but it excites wasn't on their me. list yeah and uh, everything from the brand is local waste services yeah. everything that we're doing is trying to differentiate ourselves from our competitors which are multinationals which are you know they can be pretty price abusive they can be a number of different things the contracts get a really bad reputation so we're trying to tackle it from a different perspective cool. uh, but still bring some of the experience of running yeah. you know you, you gotta you gotta know what you're doing when you're yeah. running around with this kind of equipment I imagine. so well, oh, good neat. luck with that. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. Back to the the early roots of uh, Yardstick, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly, um, uh, both Don and you fly airplanes, and and getting your pilot's license was a bit of the root of it. Yeah. So, uh, be, with that background, I'm a little curious to hear just some of your thoughts of, uh, we'll we'll say the uh, um, 
the old Muni site coupled with the development going on out at the International Airport, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. <laughs> in in an elevator stopped, ride, 30 seconds or less. I yeah. receiving the death threats, Rob. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I don't want to bring up uh, old, well, hard feelings. Uh, yeah, but, well, in 2009, yeah. this is what, uh, you know, the mayor at that time ran on the on Closenot Airport, and yep. it was whatever, how many acres? Hundreds of contiguous air, acres connected by subway, in the middle of uh, a million person urban population with five airports serving the area, not just like the, not the international, but the, right. the yep. GA, the general aviation market, which is what downtown was serving at the time. And so I came out kind of man bites dog story front page of the journal saying, yeah, close it. I think it is a good idea for yep. the future of the city, close it and let's infill with, you know, some, you know, different kinds of uh, housing and, uh, and more walkable neighborhoods and transit oriented development and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, because it made sense to me. It just, right. well, I didn't have an emotional attachment. Like, but boy, do people have an emotional attachment yeah, no, very much. to that thing. Yep. And and uh, to be frank, I'm a little embarrassed and a little disappointed when I look at what's going on and not seeing the development. And it's it definitely forever. hasn't grabbed the traction. And, uh, that, I don't uh, see it. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the yeah. comparable was the. Uh, uh, the development in Calgary where they replaced the base and the base. Yeah, I can't remember what they called yep. that community, but yes. Which beautiful. look look how long it took to to convert Edmonton's base area. You know, yeah. the 97th Street, 100, 137th out there. That is just today really starting to to yeah. grab hold as a development and. So um, I, I uh, yeah, I don't know. I I've, I, I've I would have really, always said really... shut it down for for the value it brought to the international. Yeah. With the icing on the cake of of the infill development, right. which hopefully still happens, but I still would have done it as bad as it is today. I still would have done it just for the the value it's created but, at but the it, at the international. Again, I I, uh, I know these are. I was on the board of EDC and we yeah. worked closely with the airports to try to attract routes, and I know that is an extremely complicated thing yeah. to do. And yeah. this that whole aviation sector, the industry as a whole, is probably the most screwed up and difficult thing to you know to run in the world um look at the flights we've lost so i if if it if it helped it it only helped for a little while because we've lost a lot of the direct u.s connection flights and stuff like that and that's that's not anyone's fault at the airports because i know folks there but it's certainly disappointing to see that we've lost uh, chicago new york those are really kind right, of foundational right. connections for guys like me that go into the just States don't have the volume back there to, to yeah, it's, uh, keep those going what i always heard was that was the front of the planes are always empty you know so that's the problem oh, okay. we don't have a lot of corporate you know and it's the front of the planes where that, that put right, the margins right. on the route so right. that, that's a rudimentary yeah, that makes like, sense uh, but anyways, whatever. Okay, well, we'll we'll park the whole airport yeah, so discussion. I that, sure wish that we could had be that a, downtown airport back. That can be a podcast series <laughs> onto itself. Uh, speaking of the middle town, love this question. If if we could stick up the biggest, baddest billboard in the middle of Edmonton, Chris, and and you got to uh, determine what it said, what what would that billboard say? I don't know. I I honestly struggled a great deal with okay. uh, with that. It's and, a tough and, question. You know, it's. Uh, uh, I you, love, you only I get love, five or six good words on a billboard. I, I love that. Uh, I love the the stuff that's on the side of the building there, by across from the library. You know, take a risk. It's the most Edmonton thing you can do. Okay. You know, I I think uh, I'm a I'm a homer. I'm a big believer in this city, yep. and uh, and uh, you know I, I I you know, but I don't know what I'd have a billboard say. I, I sometimes I wish it would just you know. I think the roots of that, I, I'd agree with it. And, and when you look at our city's history of, of the successes that have happened here and you and you look at how many were, I'll just say, grown here versus 
they were attracted here for, you know, you talked about the challenges you had of bringing someone here, yet you look at the successes that have, that have come and it just really feels like Edmonton is a, well, let's grow it here. And, and unfortunately, yeah. as I said, the timeline's a little tight now, yeah. but, but just keep down that path because it uh, presents the best opportunity for, for our city's future. If I could say, hey, it should say, let's move on. Yeah. Like, let's get going because I really genuinely believe that like within my, my daughter just bought her first house on Friday and I'm like, oh God, I hope it doesn't go down half in value because there's no jobs. And uh, uh, it's not, uh, you know, sure oil and gas could come back up and I could look like an idiot, but I know in the long run that's not going to be the solution. So okay. I think we need some knowledge economy jobs here. And so I'd say let's get going. Well, if you could zero in on just, you know, one couple things looking ahead, 10 five, 10 years, and it's hard a little beyond that, but, but what, what would you like to, to see when you look out that far? Well, I'm going to go back to the last question because it just popped in my mouth. Okay. It's still a Bill Clintonism. Okay. It's the knowledge economy, stupid. stupid. That's what I'd have the billboard say. Um, you know, so sorry, what, what would I like? <laughs> so you added, you added one word to the famous <laughs> the uh, economy, quote. Stupid. There you go. Um, Sorry, what would... Well, just, just looking ahead at, at uh, um, five, ten years out for the city of Edmonton, what what would you like to see? What what might they be, you know, start today that we can see ten years from now? Uh, specifically, like very specifically, I'd like to see a new physical space where we can kind of coalesce some of the uh, economic development, knowledge economy, economic diversification efforts where we could put our hands on it and go in like a... You know, a club like a, like a where very I can physical, go hang out. A physical like, space. So yeah, that's some of the great cities yeah. that have done this have done it around a physical space. So in Toronto, okay. you got Mars, and in London, you've got you know a number of different where you. So uh, is this like a like a new the new version of the Rotary Club? Yeah, kind of, kind of, sort of. That's it. Yeah, not, maybe we've talked about that because that's that's really. Did we it, just I, invent a new club here uh, on, well, on the Yegmi podcast? Uh, if you talk to some people, one a good good friend of mine is happens to be a city councilor. He hears it all the time, and him and I are now very line that we do need that place that we can bounce ideas off each other and you know it's a maybe a new version of the some, Mayfair Club or the right, Rotary Club and I just saw that the Petroleum Club is trying to do that they're dropping okay. the Petroleum brand they're going to open a club in the, somewhere in the downtown but I think the problem is I think you've got to have it where all those other agencies happen to be in the same place so right. Startup Edmonton, Tech Edmonton global EDC. It'd be really cool if there was a place I could pay five grand a year and have as a membership and yeah. go there and there'd be a bar there and there'd be a restaurant there. And then I could, you know, and just uh, the physical, physical nature of that idea is what will convince people that it's real too. That's the right. other thing that I just, I'd see. And, and that obviously has to be somewhere either downtown or very close yeah. to our institutions. But I like that. Uh, I, I've never heard that yeah. idea before, but I couldn't, I couldn't agree with it more. It, it's, uh, you see all of these groups doing their thing in different places and you know tech a lot of events at the research park and you got this big disconnect to the downtown yeah. and and uh yeah i think that'd be really cool and a lot of good things would i you know speaking for my own business being downtown here the i just call it the going to one meeting and having three meetings along the way right presents so much of the value for me having my my business down here that that opportunity it creates yeah. and, and edmonton does have this unique uh, it is unique to edmonton both because we did the actual research when we were like i'm yeah. doing the make something edmonton initiative yep. and other things but just you feel it you know it's true is that we really do cooperate with each other at a different level. We are, you know, hey, I, I, yeah, I could use some help. Can you, can you, you got five minutes? I can get a coffee, pick your brain. 
We do that at a different level. That does not happen in Toronto. That does right. not happen even in Calgary. Uh, and new ideas come out, and we we take some bold ideas. So the ex example I've always loved to, to use is the uh, is the Heritage Classic. You know, those kinds of things tend to start in a place like Edmonton for yep. some reason, yep. and I think it's because we're a little bit more selfless and to say, yeah, I can help somebody out, even if yep. they're kind of a competitor or whatever. And that's why I feel like a physical place, like I go for lunch every day anyways, and I usually have a business lunch every day, and yep. might as well go to a place where I might bump into you or we're going to bump into Connectivity. Uh, you know, yep. a yep. super wealthy individual that wants to fund our idea or or whatever, whatever. And uh, so. I've just always been a big fan of it, but uh, it's a little bit too abstract for, yep. for, for some of the, because that's what I thought the vision oh, of this consolidating yep. these agencies yep. into one place. So Well, maybe when they kind of get through that phase of, of what does this look like, they can you know dive into a bit more of the tangible aspect of, of how it might yeah. work. Um, Chris, I could ask you a hundred different question topics and, and that, but you know, you've been kind enough to share, share so much time with us. Uh, for anyone who wants to argue with you on Twitter or or, or kind of follow along <laughs> what's going on in your world, how, how would they uh, get a hold of you? Uh, at Chris Labossier, so that's uh, pretty hard to spell, but uh, uh, that's the best way. At Chris Labossier is the is uh, you know the, uh, I, I got lots and lots and lots and lots of followers, and I try yeah. I follow virtually everyone back that doesn't look like you know. A Russian a bot. bot, or, uh, <laughs> or do, do like they have a certain look? Have or you like established self-agendized real estate agents or something? That, that for whatever reason, that there's also those that I try not to follow back too much. But uh, yeah, Twitter's a great place to have a conversation. It's getting harder and harder again to to sort Fair through enough. it all. But yep. uh, I, I love that, and I love just hearing from people that have an idea. And you know, that's that's a cool part about Edmonton is we yep. we do that for each other a lot. Awesome. Well, buddy, thank you so much for coming on the Yegmi podcast and and talking about just so many great things, Edmonton. You you've you've built such an awesome story in our community, and I know you're not done. You you've got a lot of cool things ahead, and and uh, as I, I've watched from the sidelines for for many years, I, I look forward to to watching the next chapter of what you're doing. Yeah, no, I'm back yeah. at you. I've uh, I remember some crazy ideas you've had over the years. Well, I have no I, shortage of that and stuff, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I and I think it's awesome. And uh, you know, you're uh, you're a yeah. leader of Edmonton, just the same. And so, thanks. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Yegmi podcast. If you haven't done so already, please go on all your favorite. Uh, um, you know, platforms, uh, Spotify, Google, Apple, all those good ones. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us on our next episode. Thanks again for joining us, folks. I'm Rob Lullisher and this has been the YegMe podcast. Be sure to visit our website, www.yeg.me for more information on the show and some of our past podcasts. Also some fun Yeg swag you can check out. All kinds of good stuff on the yeg.me website. And we look forward to seeing you in future episodes.